Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. We're back with another episode of Young and Adulting. My name is Tyler. Going to be hosting with you today, whether you like it or not. Hey, if you're tuning in in a car, or maybe on a run because it's the new year, or you're in a gym somewhere. Today's going to be an exciting episode in particular because we have a very special guest for the first time. We have Professor Randy Allison to my right if you're watching this. And he's never been with us, and it's going to be a great time talking about some very interesting topics I can't reveal just yet. We have Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Ryan who have been with us before. So let's get to the conversation. Hey, a couple weeks ago, we asked a question on our Instagram, cf.youngadults, shameless plug. What are some questions around faith, theology, and Bible? And we got some responses. So today we're going to take our best shot at stabbing some of those questions that came in. And it's going to be a good time. Sounds violent. I know. I was like, aggressive. Yeah, I mean. We're not going to answer them. We're going to stab them. Well, think about it. If you've ever been in a theological debate with someone, essentially what you're doing is stabbing someone with your opinion. So we're going to try to to walk the fine line and uh, not go too far, but go far enough that you go, hmm. I don't know how I feel about that, so it'll be a good time. But before we get started, uh, I just would love for y'all to briefly give an introduction, share your theological background. We're going to be talking about Mm -hmm. theology, your education. Uh, Professor Randy, I would love if you could just give us some background and we can work our way, Jonathan and Ryan. Hey, well, first, it's great to be with you. Thanks. Um, My background is I uh, became a Christian when I was like 18, so uh, I didn't really grow up in the church, and uh, I did my undergrad at Baylor University. Uh, Mm, I went to Baylor because, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I went to Baylor because, uh, you know, I I thought I was going to be a doctor, and... um, and so I went there, and then also because I wanted to, you know, meet pretty girls. And uh, <laughs> so I went to Baylor, and lo and behold, I ran into these Christians, and they started talking with me, and uh, I became a Christian my freshman year, and it just kind of changed everything. Right. Um, and so after that, I went on and did my master's uh, up at uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. Uh, and then uh, God kind of got a hold of me, and I was in a youth ministry at the time. Long story short, ended up doing 10 years in Las Vegas wow. at a church. Wow. Uh, took a little church from 250 to 3500 with uh, our team and just had a great time and at that point though I got to realizing and I don't know if Pastor Ryan can relate to this but I noticed I was getting older and the students seemed to be getting younger and so <laughs> I can't relate uh, yeah can't so relate. that's why I'm on the young and adult podcast because I'm going to try to hold on to this as long as I can <laughs> so uh, I and I had been wrestling with a call to do some more work and so that's when I made the decision to move on and do some postgraduate work and some doctoral work. And uh, I went back to Texas because that's the Holy Land. And uh, <laughs> went back to Texas and did some work at Southwestern Seminary again. And uh, so, yeah, and I love to talk about theology, ethics, philosophy. So, I mean, Jonathan and I, we're going to have fun. Oh, yeah. We're going to have fun. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Jonathan. Yeah, um, I did my undergrad in Texas as well, Waxahachie at a school called Southwestern Assembly University. And my undergrad was in theological studies, loved it, um, just learned so much about God. It, it satiated this desire in me to learn and learn more about him. Um, and then did a couple years. And then from there, a couple years of ministry, and then from there, what we did is uh, I went to Biola, Biola University. Hey-o. Yeah, out in California. And I did my degree in actually apologetics. Mm-hmm. And so 
Uh, it, apologetics was, you know, there's different avenues of it. Some do it scientifically. Um, mine was more linked towards philosophy. Mm. And I would say um, my sweet spot was probably, you know, the moral argument for God's existence, that and student ministry and apologetics. Those are the two areas that I really enjoy. Those things just go yeah. together <laughs> so well, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I think it does. And, and so I love it. Um, and man, just honored to be here, honored to be amongst the greats right now. So awesome. Awesome. Pastor Ryan. I, I am academically inferior, without a doubt, to both of these gentlemen. But uh, yeah, I, I like Randy. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, it came to faith. Uh, through the only Christian I knew in my middle school and and, and so came to faith and uh, um, like my parents were kind of Catholic you know my family was sort of Catholic but I really didn't have any faith upbringing uh, got saved in a Methodist church went to a Baptist University at Palm Beach Atlantic mm-hmm. and then I, I did my um, graduate work at Southeastern University which is a uh, assemblies of God. <laughs> so I'm all over the map, oh, yeah, but, uh, um, but yeah, so that's been a little bit of my training. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Well, we're here to talk about theology and answer some questions. And I think y'all agree with me that theology is bigger than just a, a church conversation. Yeah. I know friends of mine that don't believe in Jesus or follow Jesus who are interested in theology. So I would love us just kind of have a, take a few moments. Uh, Pastor Randy, if you could just answer the question, why is theology important? Why does it matter? So that we can kind of set the groundwork for getting into some questions today. Yeah, um, I'll tell you, I love to collect definitions on theology. And you can always just go from the basis of the word. I mean, it's the study of God. And, uh, you know, there's Christian theology, there's Hindu theology, so on and so on. But the sad thing is, is poll after poll, when you look at the data, is that Christians, I mean, we know we're not reading our Bible much. I mean, yeah. you know, you can, look, you can right. look at polls that have been done of Christians. Now, again, not the public, but Christians who do come to church, they're lucky if they're reading their Bible 13 minutes a week. Yeah. And, and so when you see data like that, it just, you know, because theology, if we're supposed to learn about God, you're going to learn about God by reading his word. That's right. Yeah. And for theology, I love Augustine, the great church father. He said, theology is faith seeking understanding. That's right. And that's what excites me is, is I love to be in classes, especially. I love the fact that Christ Fellowship, we have our college at our church because yep. the two should be together. That's they right. should merge. Yep. And so I'd love to have that opportunity to talk with folks about what we believe, why we believe it, and can you defend your belief in the public square? And that's why it's important to talk about theology. We live in an age where everyone's asking questions, but they don't think the church has any answers for them. That's right. That's That's good. good. And that's where the importance of theology comes in, that we can have answers for folks when they're asking the questions. Yeah. Yeah. So good. 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 Jonathan, Ryan, do you have anything to add on to that? Yeah, I I would say something that someone once told me is, you know, just because you know it doesn't mean you can show it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's okay that you know things that you can't show and demonstrate, but in the world that we live in, and, and, you know, the century that we live in in our society is people are asking questions specifically about what you believe and why you believe it. And you're, you're going to need to have some of these answers to kind of talk to them about the tenability of your belief, about why you believe what you believe. And so I don't think you need to know apologetics to be a Christian, but you do need to know it in order to help the people around you um, learn what you believe and why you, be- why you believe it as well. Cool. Awesome. Ryan, any thoughts? Well, I just think when we make our, our faith, when we reduce our faith to being only about our experience, mm. 
um, I think we do our faith a great disservice. And I think that there's just so, so much about our faith that is reasonable. Yep. And I think mm-hmm. many times we just don't put our time and attention to understanding, you know, like obviously there is a faith aspect to what we believe about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, the, the historicity of Jesus and understanding scripture and understanding the character of God and studying theology and all of these things lead us to a very reasonable faith. It's not yep. as out there as, yeah, you right. know, yeah. as it seems to be for some people. And I just think often we, we reduce it to our experience with the Lord, which matters but there's actually a lot more to it as well. That's good. That's good. And I think that's mm-hmm. a great preface to say we're only going to take uh, our, a few moments to kind of take some time to try to answer some some questions. But really, theology is big study. Yeah. It's highly academic. So we're going to try and pull some uh, very academic kind of thinking to answer a few questions. But uh, we want to keep these kind of conversations going. So uh, we want to say if the listeners are, are tuning in and they have a question we don't answer today, if you have a question right now, you can drop it in the YouTube comments or, or email us in to our team so we can keep these conversations going on. But let's go ahead and jump into some conversations that were sent in. Uh, Professor Randy, I would love for you just to answer. You, you teach theology at the collegiate level. What are some of the most common theological questions that you're asked from uh, a, a teaching perspective and what might be some of your responses for the listeners before we get into some of our pointed questions today? I think, um, I mean, it depends on the class, obviously, in the context of what the subject is. But in most cases, I'm always getting questions about, um, first, the Trinity, mm-hmm. okay? Because folks stumble over that because I look in my concordance under T and I don't see it's Trinity there. there. <laughs> um, so okay. what's going on? So it's always fun to have those discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the other thing, though, is what I really like to zero in on is I like to zero in on, okay, so why are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian because Jesus is my Savior, okay? And he's your Savior. How? Well, because he died on the cross for me. And then I like to just look at him and say, okay, now pretend you're sitting in Star- at Starbucks with someone, and they ask you, so how does a man 2,000-plus years ago dying on a cross affect you today? What's your response? And there the glazed look starts coming and, you know, the deer in headlights and all that. Because, you know, you know, how does a man dying on a cross affect me today? And so that's one of the things I love to get into and just talk about, you know, what is it about his death on the cross that makes a difference in our lives today? How do you appropriate that by faith? Well, how does that happen? Uh, and so those are the kinds of questions that, you know, and again, of course, you know, um, you know, uh, where did Adam and Eve's wives come from, or, you know, their children's <laughs> wives come from, right. and, you know, all those other things. But you can, you can deal with those questions in about, you know, 10 minutes, and yeah. then you're done. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, yeah, I like to get into those meteor issues, which we were talking about just a few moments ago, that are going to relate to the questions folks are asking today. Yep. That's, That's awesome. Right. Really grateful for that. I'm grateful for the space we have even to have this conversation today. So my ears are, are open as well. Jonathan, I want you to take a stab at this one. Okay. This one came in as well. How do I maintain my faith daily through trials in life? Mm. We just had a, all had a tough year, mm-hmm. and I think that's super relevant today, even in 2021. So go ahead at it. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's I think it's a crucial question because I think like many of us have had not just a bad 2020, but many of us have had situations in our life that are difficult to go through. And because of that, um, we must maintain our faith through that. And I think there's probably three things I would say to recognize. And I would probably say the first thing is recognize that your faith is kind of built for this, mm. right? Like, like the Christian Christianity does not teach that there's no such thing as evil. 
like Christianity, as a matter of fact, teaches that, like Jesus said, in this world, you will face many trials, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And your faith is built. And the reason why you have faith is to maintain it and to grow through it, um, through the trials that we go through. Um, but I'd also say, I think it's important to recognize um, that God is greater than whatever you're facing. Um, I, I've been reading John at the beginning of the year, and one of the chapters I just studied is John chapter 6. And there's this moment in which the disciples are on this sea, and they're like, this is crazy. It's going to capsize. And then they see out in the distance, Jesus is walking on the water. And, you know, that's a miracle in and of itself. <clears throat> but I think one of the implications of that is this fact that, like, the things that you think are going to kill you, Jesus is like walking on. Like yeah. he's not afraid of those things. And you may feel like you're drowning. You may feel like you're going through a tough time. But God is not in heaven biting his fingernails or it is like like God is greater than what you face. And that means that you can depend on him. That means you can trust him. That means you can uh, you can turn to him and what you're going through. And you should consistently and continually do that. I think. The last thing I would probably say is like, you can't do this on your own. Yeah. Like recognize you, it, you cannot do this on your own. One of the biggest lies I see with this generation is that I can do life alone. I like, mm -hmm. I got Amazon. I don't need to go anywhere. I could just have it because of my, like, I can do this myself. But I think um, it's important for us to recognize that you are easy to be picked off by the enemy if you're doing this by yourself and you need the people around you, God's people around you to give you uh, the energy, the strength, the wisdom, the boundary, the accountability that you need as you're going through things. That's a great answer. We're going to, we're going to keep going with uh, some of the questions here. Right? Well, some, yeah, yeah, I want to speak to that. Cause I, I think this is an area where, you know, developing a theology around this issue is so important because we don't have a theology of suffering. Right. Like actually I need to be reminded that God's so primary concern is not my comfort. Yeah. God's primary concern is not my happiness, although he is very concerned w with my comfort and mm -hmm. with my happiness. But, you know, when we look to Jesus, we see in him a God who suffers. Right. Yeah. And, and he suffered for us on our behalf, but he suffered, you know. And so I think developing a theology around why those things would be in our lives, you know, and, and even trusting the word of God says, like, you know, that he works all things together for those who, the good of those who love him and right. are called according to his purpose, e even my suffering, yeah. you know. And so I think developing a, a, an understanding of a God who suffers for on sure. our behalf and a God who counts me worthy you know, what if suffering was a privilege and not yeah. a burden, but mm -hmm. counts me worthy of being able to endure suffering in my life? I think that's a great example of where uh, your picture of Jesus and your study of God, your understanding of theology changes the way that you perceive even your suffering in your own life. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, one of the things that Paul says that's staggering to me is he says, and I, I venture, I desire to know you in the way you suffer. This is what Paul is saying mm -hmm. about Jesus. And I think if we are to carry this cross, if we are to be Christians, if we are to, there is an understanding of the theology of suffering, <clears throat> of what we're going through and knowing that God himself suffered on our behalf. Yep. And that means we are not excluded from that. Yeah. I was just going to add in, I, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I was thinking about even uh, Jürgen Moltmann, who's an amazing theologian. Uh, his encounter with God came through understanding that 
that Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he's in the trenches of war, seeing his, his friends picked off left and right. And so there, I think there's something to that um, of understanding that God is, is relatable in so many different ways. And it's, we, we, we shy away from the suffering and think that God's far, but it's actually, Scripture's so clear all the time saying God is close, close to, to the broken heart. Right? Yeah. Yep. He's, he's not distant um, or far. He, he's close up and personal. So I think, I think that's a super important part to land on. Mm-hmm. But yet, it is a challenge in the culture we live in today because we live in a culture that doesn't want us to feel pain. Mm-hmm. We live in a culture where we take all kinds of pills, all kinds of this, all kinds of that. We yeah. drink all this alcohol because we want to numb mm-hmm. ourselves yeah. so we don't have to think. And then let's be distracted. Right. Let's yeah. go see this movie or watch right. this or watch this yeah. or whatever. So it's just amazing. The Christian, the Christian way of life mm-hmm. is just not what our culture is presenting to us yep. or it's not making it easy for us. And all of that goes into it. Yeah. Man, this is good stuff. We keep going, but I want to make sure we get to some other questions. We'll have to maybe land a part two. Uh, another question, uh, Ryan, I want you to answer this one came in. Uh, what are we to think about when we think about heaven? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it for real? Is it kind of just a, a myth? Is it just something that we're supposed to think of as an ideal, you know, if, if it existed, great. W- what are we supposed to think about when we hear that in church, outside of church, is heaven for real? Yeah, I certainly personally believe that heaven is for real. Yeah, and I I don't know that heaven is what we think about when most of us hear the word heaven. You know, I think everything from cartoons to movies, you know, or just different things have shaped our perspective on what heaven is really like, you know, but I think the way that scripture speaks about heaven, you know, that there there is coming a day when all will be made right and and no more tears and no more suffering and no more disease and that, that there is a... There is a, a time and a space in which all of creation will be returned to uh, what God initially attended, you know, intended that God would create a new heaven and a new earth. And there would be this redemption of our experience. You know, I think that is, is very real. I think eternity is is very real. Mm-hmm. You know, is it a. Uh, a cloud city with a big golden gate. And, you know, I think that there's language in scripture that, that paints some of that in a way that we might be able to understand it from a human perspective. But I think in terms of eternity in the presence of God and without the presence Mm -hmm. of sin and the restoration of creation, I think that's, that's a very real thing. Um, I think, one thing that I like to bring up whenever I talk about heaven is like, I I think more often when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God in scripture, it's not a a place in which you one day arrive. Um, but it is asthma for, for Jesus seemingly more so about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God getting into you. Mm. And so that heaven heaven exists through you, right? So that there is a, an opportunity for those who follow Jesus to establish a space and a place in which God ultimately and exhaustively gets his way, right? So like, I think the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is established any in any space where God has his way, yeah, you know, yeah. and what we're saying about heaven is like, ultimately there will come right. a day where God gets his way in all mm-hmm. things. And as believers in Jesus and as um, those who are, experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have that opportunity to establish the kingdom, you know, of heaven and God right now. And so I think it's different, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's the eternal thought of heaven as opposed to hell, which by the way, is also real. You can't talk about, you know, being eternally with God in his presence without sin, without also acknowledging, you know, that there is a very real 
eternal reality. I, I don't even want to use the word place because right. I think that's limiting. There's an eternal reality of separation from God for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. But the way that the New Testament talks about the kingdom is not a pl- place you'll end up one day yeah. as much as it is about a space that can be established in which God gets his way. I love that. And, and as we were talking previously, even about kind of the suffering that we're experiencing on this side, I think that the hope of the Christian life is that one day, right? We will be fully in his presence, no suffering, no tears. And I think part of that, you know, is it throws up to another question that comes up all the time. Okay, like if, if, if heaven isn't so much of maybe just a place, but the hope of it is it's in the presence of God, how do I get there? But more than that, if I'm following Jesus, question we hear all the time, Professor Randy would love you to answer this. How do you know that you're really saved? How, how do I really know that I'm saved? And I think bleeds into the question, okay, I'm saved, but am I always saved? Well, can I lose my salvation? This is a question that gets thrown all the time, and I think it's worth stabbing at for a few seconds. Well, a little more than a few seconds, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it is. I'll tell you what, and last night I, I saw, now I'm a sports fan, I saw last night LeBron James. We usually don't mention his name in my house anymore <laughs> since he left the Heat. But uh, basketball player for the Lakers, uh, best player on the planet. And I saw at the end, near the end of the game, he was driving. He dished out. He went to the three-point line. They threw it back to him. He shot a three. And as the ball was midair, he turned around to look at his players on the on the bench didn't even look to see if it went in because he knew it was going in and then all the commentators went wild oh my god well here's my point is we want to know that kind of assurance about something a little more important than just a shot in a basketball game yeah and that is you know how do i know i'm a christian and i'll tell you I, i think it goes back to a famous philosopher once said the unexamined life is not worth living and Christians, we do. Those who claim the name of Christ, we need to examine our lives and we need to see, how do I know? What does Scripture say about this? What are some of the evidences? And so I think there's a few things you can look at. I think there are. And again, uh, someone once dubbed this, these are famous passages from 1 John. Because if you look in 1 John, 1 John will kind of back up all these verses on what you can look for, what distinguishes you as a Christian. For instance, there should be a desire to obedience of God's word. I mean, you know, Christ said, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's pretty straightforward. Okay. The other thing is, is, is that you need to have in your life a pattern developing of practicing righteousness. And what that means is, is simply living in obedience to God and it's seen by others. And so uh, another thing is there should be a, you should notice a difference between the before and after. Hmm. Now, this can be a little tough if you were raised in a Christian home and you became a Christian at eight or nine or something like that. But yet, even at points in your life, you should be able to see, okay, the old has passed away and the new has come. And so that's something that's just as critical. And then again, I mean, you know, I mean, what does Jesus say over and over? They shall know you by the love you have for one another. And so there should be a desire to, and by love, we mean to just care for others, a desire of concern for others. And as we, again, look in our culture today, my goodness, we are, there, it just seems there's so much hate and just self-preservation and just, you know, on and on and on with everything about me. And so I think as you look at those four things, you're going to be able to see you know, do I see that? And again, I, Paul also sums this up another way in Galatians uh, chapter 5, 22 and following. Are the fruit of the Spirit, 
alive and active in your life. And I like the fact that that is singular, or the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you just can't have one of those nine qualities. You're supposed to have all of them to some measure being evident in your life. And if you see that, and again, most of all, let's remember, obeying rules and this, that, and the other, I mean, that's not what Christian life is about. That is simply part of parcel of having a faith relationship and again, in Scripture, faith, sometimes I like to take that word out. Trust. Yeah. I have trusted myself to my Savior, Jesus Christ, and I have faith in Him that He's going to keep His promises and that His Spirit is alive and active in me. Yeah. So that's, that's the short answer I would give to such a very important question. Incredibly important question. What I really appreciate about your answer, Professor Randy, is you know, really salvation is like the baseline for what God desires for his people, you know, it's like the starting point. And so like in reality, salvation is pretty easy. Salvation <laughs> is like confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Yeah. Check. But the, the evidence of that salvation mm-hmm. that's displayed in our life as we are continually conformed into the image and likeness of Christ, like what you're talking about is how, how do we see and recognize that sa- the salvation is being worked out in us? And I think the only other thing I would add from like a pastoral perspective is like when, when if I have a conversation with somebody and they go like, how do I know I'm really saved? I'm like, just the sheer fact that you're answering that question, you, you need to be reminded, like scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not saying just because you asked the question, you're saved. But if you're, if you're genuinely going like, how do I really know? And you're genuinely asking that question. Chances are, you you know, like (laughs) you're well on your way to beginning to cultivate the things that professor Randy is talking about, because there is that desire for you to understand people Mm -hmm. who don't care about the things of God aren't going like, how can I truly be sure that I'm saved? You know, that's a very deep question. And so I I just, I like to affirm when people ask that because I'm like, that, that is the right question. And we learn to trust in the, in the truth of God. And we learn to examine our lives, as you said, Mm -hmm. to see if there is fruit of our salvation and, and we can know, we can know. Yeah, man, that's really great. Yeah. Jonathan, you have anything on that? No, I mean, I'd, I'd add to what Ryan said and just comment that it's also true. I hear some people ask, have I committed the unpardonable sin? If you are asking that question from a general sense and you genuinely desire not to have, right. I would say you have not committed that because I think it would be like apostasy. Yeah. So That's awesome. It's hard to lose something that you keep ever presently before so, you. Well, let's go there. Yeah. And, and this is a, you know, one of the things I love about our church is, you know, we all have very different faith backgrounds and Mm -hmm. we, we recognize that there's not always one way to view a thing. We're a non-denominational church for a reason. We believe in Christ and him crucified. Let's talk about everything else, you know? So, so, so what do you think about salvation personally? I would say you're answering, you know, from your own personal faith perspective, like, do you think someone can lose their salvation? Yeah. What I would say is I believe, and that term is like apostasy. I believe that I think an individual can when I look at the scriptures from my own personal perspective and I analyze uh, some of the warnings some of these things like work out your salvation some of these other things I think um, you clearly see individuals or you see instances in which there are warnings against it and people who may not or may have committed it Uh, sometimes I hear people say in response um, something of the extent of like well if, if they didn't if they walked away, they were never really with us from the beginning. 
I think that's fallacious. I don't think that's, I think that is, um, I think that's circular. I think uh, like, they call it the no true Irishman or, you know, Scotsman. But I think you have to say some people were genuinely fully involved with and in a relationship with Jesus. And I think I've seen individuals that would say that and evident in their life that, and then have turned away from that. And so for me personally, I would say yes. Okay. Professor Randy. I agree. There are some passages in Scripture that you really have to wrestle with. Uh, Hebrews 6, 4 yeah. through 6. Uh, I think also 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, uh, for anyone who takes a position either way. But I cannot walk away from John chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Because in John chapter 6, and again, I mean, everything that the Father gives me uh, will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. And when you look at that in the original language, it's a double negative. It is basically saying, I will never, never throw away. Right. Okay. Well, never is pretty serious. It's not going to happen. Now, and I understand, I mean, again, I understand exactly what Jonathan's talking about. I mean, he's talking about passages where it does say they were never of us and they walked away. But... I struggle with Hebrews 6 because it says if you've tasted and seen the beauty of the Lord and, 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 you know, very vivid, very real phrases that it seems like, wow, that was a genuine thing. But I also then, in wrapping up my response, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I mean, I didn't earn this. This was a gift. It was given to me. That's right. And so if it was given to me, then can I really lose it? Right. I, did, I didn't earn this. Yeah. And, and because I'm weak, but God's not. Yeah. And he's going to make sure I persevere to the end. And he's going to, as I continue my relationship and gain strength, I just don't see where you can lose your salvation if you've genuinely tasted and seen the goodness yeah. of the Lord. Well, and what I would just want to point out is who, here's two men who love Jesus who know the word, who yep. are incredibly well-educated and would come up on different sides of the issue and could still mm-hmm. love each other and love God and serve the church and build mm-hmm. the kingdom. And so I think, you know, sometimes there's theological disagreements that we allow to get in the way of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just important. I would love for the people who are listening to understand there are different perspectives, yep. but those different perspectives don't have to divide us. Yeah. And, and the reality is we don't know. You know, we, we, there are things that we know from scripture, but as as you said, if we don't wrestle with, there is a tension and if we don't wrestle through it, you know, and that's why it's important. I would say for anybody who's listening to, to work through those passages of scripture Mm -hmm. on your own and invite understanding and wrestle through them. Because when we just, well, I I just feel like (laughs) you can't lose yourself. Well, that's not a good argument. I just feel like, you know, so I think really wrestling through it. I I just appreciate you guys both sharing your perspective on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the goal, right. Even of this conversation is we want to help uh, other people think theologically. And it's a, it's something I'm always trying to get better at. And, and I I love that you said that because so often I've seen just in the circles of relationships I've been with people wear their theological pinnings um, and they take them to the grave with them and, and, (laughs) and somewhat ferociously. And it's kind of like, well, if you don't believe then, then you're out. And so I think we want to see, even I want to see young adults, I want to see my generation begin to think and talk about these kind of things, where at the end of the day, follow Jesus, we stack hands on that, yeah, and uh, we smile at our, you know, our disagreements, and yeah. hey, I'm even down for some, uh, Jonathan, I know you and I have Pope Fun, mm-hmm. and a little bit of theological perspective, and so the goal is to make theology something we're thinking about, keeping before us, and, mm-hmm. and ultimately, I think theology is fun, yeah. uh, a fun topic, and you can, I don't know if you could ever arrive, I don't think you'd ever arrive and be like, 
I'm the guy or I have it all, even the <laughs> most brilliant of people. But I want to move on and ask a question. Uh, it's year 2021. Uh, Professor Randy would love you to stab at this. Someone has recently uh, tuned in and asked, um, it, are we living in the end times? Is this something that we're, we're experiencing right now? Uh, how should we view the book of Revelation? And um, it's a big one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there's a couple ways you can look at the question. Okay, first, uh, let's make sure, are we in the end times? Okay, let's kind of parse some terms what here. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, are we in the last days? I think Scripture is pretty clear on that. Yeah, we are. We're in the last days. But is it the day of the Lord? Is it, you know, are we in the tribulation time? Is the, you know, those are the things where I think you have to put the brakes on a little bit and say, eh, let's hold on. Let's, let's kind of evaluate this a little more. And I'll tell you, it was interesting because we just did a six-week study in uh, Revelation uh, late fall. And um, it was really great to see us dive into the Word to really look and see what Revelation says. And then to also be able to just kind of step back a little bit, scratch our head, and just think, huh, God still has some things that are going to happen. Yeah. Even though 2020, we're doing this. We're studying this in 2020, and we read this stuff that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 about pestilence and earthquakes and <laughs> nation will attack nation and all this stuff. Um, but I think it's also interesting in Matthew 24, he also ends that little, that little topic he's talking about there, and he says in Matthew 24, 8, but these are the things that are merely the beginning of the birth pains. Mm -hmm. And so I think right there that reminds us that, yes, we are in the last days, but as far as, but have, the, have we hit the last day? Have we hit the day of the Lord where the tribulation period and all are coming? Obviously, I think that is still to come, depending on how you interpret Revelation. And for us, I think it calls upon us, okay, if we're in the last days and if the day of the Lord is coming, so what are you doing about it? Yeah, that's good. What are you doing? I mean, if this is true, and we as Christians believe this, so who are you telling to prepare? Who, you know, how is your life calling people not to be you know, languishing and, and worrying and crying about what's going on, but how are you preparing for the end days and how are you making sure others are too? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that is the importance of the question is the implication. What are you going to do about it? Right. Even if it, we're close or we're not close, does that mm -hmm. change our actions and, and it may change our fervency or, um, how, um, how I don't want to use the word aggressive because we've been stabbing people today, but I just you know, <laughs> you like, gotta get rid it, of that word. I know, I know. We're supposed oh, to be people of love, man. Exactly, but I, I, it, this should cause us to g chase after others. It should cause us to be fervent. It should cause us to begin to have conversations with other people because of that. And I think when you read the the New Testament, even outside the Book of Revelation, like especially when you read the writings of Paul, there when you read Paul, it's like there is a sense that Christ is urgently returning, you know, that, that, it, that the return of Christ is near mm -hmm. and there's an urgency about it. And, um, you know, there, there's, we, we might live on the other side of revelation and we might know or not know that there may be some things yet to be fulfilled in history. But I think it's important that we maintain that sense of like, if even Paul felt that way of like Christ is Christ coming is imminent, you know, then we ought to live our lives in such a way that, as you're saying, like if we are in these days, what does that mean for us? Well, we, we ought to live as if Christ's return is coming. And that does change my perspective on my yep. life, my, yep. my urgency to reach the lost, you know, mm -hmm. like it changes a lot. And so I think, you know, 
I don't know about Revelation. That's why that's Dr. Randy Allison is here. Yes. But, but that <laughs> well, we and, would have that urgency. And that's a good point because I've had students say to me, well, Paul was wrong. Uh, that's 2,000 years ago. I mean, who's to say this isn't 10,000? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. so you can't say Paul was wrong. Honestly, that's the way we all should be that's living. Right. That's I good. completely agree with that. Yep. Man, this has been good stuff. Unfortunately, we are out of time for mm-hmm. today. So what that means is if listeners are tuning in and they have other theological or Bible questions, what they just need to do is they need to let our team know. Email Send Tyler. in the comment. Get, no, <laughs> you could email CFYA. <laughs> at christfellowship.church or you could throw it in the comments on YouTube let us know but uh, this has been fun thank you Dr. Randy Allison for being with us Pastor Jonathan Pastor Ryan I think we're a little bit more theologically in tuned with, uh, with life a little bit and that has been fun so until next time this has been Young and Adulting we'll see you soon Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Don't forget to tune in Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. on our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.